Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of The Modern Mind, the podcast that explores the minds that inspire modern society by provoking thought and inspiring change. Our guest today is Johnny Davis, who recently ran the London Underground. And you're probably wondering, what on earth does that mean? Well, it means that in 11 days, he ran 572 kilometers by running end to end of every single London Underground line. And we're going to unpack what that experience was like, how he ultimately found himself in the ultra running space, given that he is six foot four and weighs over 100 kilos, not the most conventional ultra runner that you'll come across, but the journey that he's been on, the community that he's galvanized, the impact that he's had and what he's looking to achieve from an individual point of view, from a community point of view and from a personal point of view. Johnny has an insightful perspective on how running can massively impact our lives and I think really frames why forward motion, individual development and progress is far more important than any competitive times. Just destroying tarmac over and over again in a pair of alpha flies might not necessarily be the most rewarding way for you to interact with your running. This episode really explores asking yourself why you want to do the things that you do and will help you decide what to do next. So before we dive into today's episode, I have a couple of housekeeping requests, if you don't mind. If you'd be so kind as to rate and or review the show on whatever platform you're listening on, share this episode or an episode previously with a friend, make sure to check us out on YouTube and hit subscribe whilst you're there. And whilst we're talking about subscriptions, please do hit the follow or subscribe button on whatever audio platform you were listening on. Other than that, just bring up the Modern Mind podcast whenever you can in conversation with your friends and family, as that will help the show continue to grow and help us continue to have fantastic conversations like the one you're going to hear today. At this point, it's important to mention the show's sponsors, as without them, there would be no show. First up, we have Vivo Barefoot, who I've been wearing since January 2019, and you won't really catch me in anything else day to day. I'm, I'm kind of morphing into a cartoon character at this point because I'm in the novice pretty much every day. And whilst I do have a wide array of other options available at the house, because Vivo covers you across pretty much every setting that you could imagine, I've just really chosen the Novus as my weapon of choice day to day. So much so that I've actually stockpiled for the future, as I love them that much. All Vivos are wide, thin and flexible and have an open toe box as well as being zero drop, which is much more akin to being, you guessed it, barefoot. And this means that you can build your foot strength from the ground upwards. Study from the University of Liverpool in 2021 has indicated that you can improve your foot strength by up to 60% simply by wearing a pair of Vivos day to day. So if you want to be jacked and tan in your day to day life and apply your feet to that equation, then Vivos are the way to go. Generally speaking, my feet feel stronger, more robust, and I feel more in control of how I'm moving, running, and I'm just more comfortable on a day-to-day -day basis in them. And if you want to give them a go, you can use the code FERGUS20 until the end of 2023 to get 20% off. And if you're listening after that, then sorry, Fergus Vivo will have to do as it will get you 15% off. Please do let me know how you get on over social media as well, as I would love to hear how much you love them. Next up, we have Days Brewing, whose alcohol-free lager and pale ale are brewed just down the road from me in East Lothian, but sold nationwide. And I like to keep a fully stocked fridge, because when I'm craving a beer at the end of a stressful day or at the end of a long week or maybe with a, a takeaway on a Saturday night after a big training session, dare I say, when I'm inclined to reach for a beer, and there aren't any, but there is an alcohol-free one, I can have all of the ceremony 
of a beer, all of the ceremony of a pint, all of the enjoyment of a pint without any of the downsides, because it really doesn't take much alcohol for me these days for my cognitive ability, sleep, and therefore overall recovery to be affected. So simply by giving myself access to icy cold days lager or pale ale, I am making sure that whenever I have that sort of inclination, I can just have an alcohol-free one, enjoy myself, get all that I want out of it without any of the downsides. That's not to say that I won't have an alcoholic beverage or or several every once in a while. It's coming up to Christmas time, which means that that'll be a bit more common. But generally speaking, day-to-day, week-to-week, I like to really minimize my alcohol intake for the sake of overall productivity, cognitive ability, sleep, and recovery. So if you'd like to do the same, then you can save yourself 20% off with the code MODERNMIND20 at checkout. And again, do please let me know how you get on over social media. Anyway, without any further ado, let's dive into today's episode. Johnny, how are we? Very well, thank you. A bit cold. Well, it was two degrees this morning in this lovely new podcast studio for anyone watching. Don't you agree? It's now 15, and if anything, I'm too hot. So welcome to Scotland. Thank you very much for having me. You were watching snow increase, temperature decrease from inside the train this morning, weren't you? It was indeed. It was uh, still cold in London, but it was there wasn't snow on the grounds. And then as we uh, headed further north, it got a lot prettier with the snow, a lot colder. And uh, then we had to go buy some gloves and hats. We promised we weren't going to tell anyone that. Well, <laughs> I told you to come prepared for the cold. You didn't come prepared for cold, as much cold as you were presented with. But nonetheless, we're not here to talk about the cold. We'll complain about it a lot tomorrow as we're doing the Seven Hills of Edinburgh. But I think the first thing that I want to really unpack is what led you to ultra running. Ooh, great question. Um, I've never wanted to be a runner for most of my life. It's quite interesting. Running never came naturally to me. It was the thing I actually hated the most about playing rugby. Um, as a bigger guy, my playing weight was 115 kilos. Um, back row, not known for our running abilities. Oh, no, sorry. No, no, I, I, actually, back then. I can empathize. I can empathize. Yeah. Not known for our distant running. It was, you know, the sprint to touch line. I like to line out. I like to scrum. Um, didn't like to run too much. Um, however, I think it was uh, just before COVID started getting into running, as a way because i knew it was something i didn't like and i put off and it was just a case of me being like oh like why don't i not like this do i not like this or am i not good enough at it turns out i just wasn't very good at it wasn't very practiced at it started running a bit i was like okay this is cool i enjoy this i'm finding a lot of peace with myself through it and continued doing that for a couple of years during covid when there was no races no competitions no pressure running a 5k marathons ultra marathons and coming out of COVID, when events started to happen again, I was like, oh, probably should try and run one of these events. Give it a go. And so I ran a marathon, ran the Madrid Marathon. It was the first ever event I did. And then that's straight in the deep end. No, yeah. no, no park runs, no no 10K. Never done a park run in my life still. Yeah. Um, it's, uh, yeah, I didn't know what a park run was at that point, to be fair. Um, wasn't, I only recently learned about a lot of the other aspects of running. The things that most people get into running via, because I think during COVID, the, these events were on, I just missed a lot of this out because I didn't know what they were. Um, coming from rugby background, never had an interest in running. Family never had an interest in running. No one I really knew growing up had an interest in running. So I never had zero running influence on me throughout that whole time. Um, and I think it was just a case of the, th- I, I always, always back myself with a certain degrees of fitness with my strength, but I was, I think I was uh, scared to test myself because I knew I wasn't very good at it. What did you learn along the way? First and foremost, because for me, ultra running has taught me a lot of unexpected lessons 
that came as a byproduct of just running a long way. And you said you were sort of finding peace in building up your running volume as COVID came along. Mm. What were the things that you took away that surprised you? Um, through continuing doing the same action over and over and over again without distraction, you, the clarity of thought you can get and you can really sort of narrow down the the core issues you face in life or the core problems you have and without any distractions and actually the, the ability to clear the mind and then have a very specific understanding of what it is you want in life what it is it challenge you in life what is you're afraid of in life that's what i loved about it was because i've never had such clarity of thought before despite being you know on your feet for 12 15 hours at a time you'd think actually your brain's not going to be working all that well um it's such a beautiful way to understand yourself people talk about journeys of self-discovery i for the first time i really got to understand who i was as a person when i ran my first ultra and after that i was like okay i really like where i'm at with this i really enjoy putting myself in these situations and i enjoy throwing myself in the deep end and then the the self-worth and self-value that comes with completing those things or training for these sort of things is a is such a wonderful way to build yourself up completely agreed and it's clarity of thought in the process rather than actually the event itself that's really valuable for me where I know yeah. if I have a weekend without a long run in it or a long bike ride, depending on what I'm training mm -hmm. for, coming into Monday morning, I feel a little bit flatter, a mm -hmm. little bit more chaotic inside my own head as if I've not decompressed or almost had a, a debrief, a, yeah. a chat with myself over a cup of tea in my own head over three or four hours of running over the weekend. That, that's what the value is for me is, mm -hmm. is, is those long, monotonous, step-by-step steady cadence work that's where i can kind of understand the week that's been to prepare for the week that follows and one thing you've mentioned that i think is quite topical is that ignorance really carried you a long way with this mm. whereas the 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 sort of state of play has changed a little bit in terms of the popularity of running whether it's just in the specific social media circles in which we move mm. i think there's been a huge surge in recreational running for a health and fitness and well-being sake rather than as a weight loss metric or yeah. for a real high performing level of running point of view. Mm -hmm. You're in the epicenter of that in the UK, which is which is Southwest London. <laughs> and I want to ask, how much do you think ignorance actually helped you rather than hindered you in the journey that you've been on? Because there is so much noise at the moment as to what everybody should be doing, what person X is doing, what you should be buying. Do you think ignorance helped or hindered? Oh, massively helped. The fact that I was doing this during COVID when no one was talking about a lot of this stuff. There's no, you know, alpha flyers weren't out yet. You know, there weren't people wearing bright pink socks running around doing these things. Like, it just wasn't, it, I was going out wearing a pair of trainers that I'd had for like three years, just getting out the ones and twos, turning the legs over, not thinking about, I wasn't, I'd never hadn't looked up running content around anything. I didn't have a TikTok account. I didn't search these things. I didn't know. You know, I, I would look, the only thing I look up was like running technique or like wait five ways to improve your running technique. There was no other influence on me other than that. Maybe I read David Goggins book. That was probably the only other thing I had an influence, had an influence on me about running and the mindset behind it. I think now there's a lot of noise out there because of popularity, people are gonna jump on the bandwagon, brands are gonna jump on the bandwagon and try and use the, the, the running as an angle to sell products. It's the nature of things that are popular. It happens, you know, when, the gym was getting really popular when I was like a bit younger in my early twenties or teenage years. Like, era. yeah, exactly. Like the amount of like pre-workout brands that popped up or like whatever, it, whatever it was, you know, it's the same thing. People are going to market to what's ever popular. 
that's just how it works. I get that. But I think now there's a lot of noise because I get, I'm sure you get the same, a lot of questions about, do I need this shoe? Do I need to be doing this? What like questions that come from a position of um, a brand has told them something, not a friend has told them something. And I think that, do I need to be rubbing something on my legs before I go for a run? And it's like, where, where did you get that? Like, where did you, how is that the point of call? You asked me a question. That's the thing that's come to, you know, you know, rather than being like, you know, what's not, what, what should I be aiming to get my cadence to? What should I be getting my heart rate to? They're questions that like, I would, when I was sort of getting into this, I was like, okay, what should I, or how will I spend its own to this week? Or what's the best way to grow? You know, I'm looking to increase my volume, how much volume to increase per week? That sort of stuff is the sort of questions I would ask you years ago. Now it's like questions around brands. Do you use brand? Do you trust this brand? It's like, oh, okay. Like being ignorant was pretty good for a while because, you know, during that period, it wasn't as, as popular. Now it's just exploded. Um, so yeah, hugely important. And it, it, it's almost allowed you to weaponize the audience that you have created in a very positive way, which we'll come on to. But what weight were you when you started recreationally running? 112 one to 115. Okay. And you're 6'4", 6'5"? 6'4", yeah. Okay, okay. So you're, you're on the larger side. You call yourself the biggest runner on TikTok. Yes. Which is essentially because nobody's ever dropped you in Bastardy Park and beyond, but larger <laughs> than you are, which, which is essentially a innocent until proven guilty sort of claim to be made, isn't it? It's, it's, not, a, it's not a verified claim put it that way, but no one checks. It's, it's unverifiable. Yeah. Unverifiable, but it's, it's got a good ring to it and it's got you this far. But like with that in mind, there's a lot of people that are put off even giving something like running a go because of the naysayers and the the fear that goes into transient impact from being heavier yeah. or technique or i haven't ran since i was this age what gave you the confidence to just start doing the ones and twos and actually moving things forward because for a lot of people listening they might be wanting to get into running they might be wanting yeah. to get into to a sport and the the misconception that i'm not built to run or i'm not my frame size is not built to run that sort yeah. of thing Obviously, there's some things that we can we can leverage to advantage and disadvantage. But for you, how did you have the confidence to start moving things forwards? And what do you think others can do to to find the same the same confidence? Great question. I think it's um, a lot of it comes down to uh, I had this belief for a long time as well. I had belief that a lot of people, you know, you had to be a certain size to run distance, and it was only through looking looking around the internet. Like I was like, oh, what's the sort of maximum weight you can be and still run a marathon without killing yourself without your legs falling apart and then i'd see people run online like oh no this guy's like 110 kilos he's running the sub three hour marathon i'm like well how do you do that and then you start really when you've got examples of people doing stuff when you've got people like david goggins for example who, who was a very heavy size getting into his running and this was like oh maybe it's just maybe it's just a bit harder if you're a bit bigger maybe it's not that and actually realizing yes the elite runners are a certain size because that's the most optimal size to be for an elite level runner I'm not trying to be an elite level runner. It's that that's not what I'm in it for. And I think actually a lot of the time people get put off by, I think in this day and age, social media, people look at the best in the world, at everything and get put off from doing something. It's like, unless you're trying to do, be the best at it, why should you try to do it? It's not that people aren't good at running. It's they're not practiced at running. It wasn't that I wasn't a bad runner. It's just that I hadn't learned to run or was practicing running much. And then through the process of, spending a couple hours a week doing it into a couple more hours a week, couple more hours a week. Next thing you know, when you're running 10, 14 hours a week, you kind of know what you're doing at that point. And all of a sudden you start getting better and improving. Same with everything. You know, no one's good at anything when they start out, whether that's social media, whether that's running, whether that's lifting weights. Like very rarely do people find they can naturally good at something. There's an element of, oh, we have to try this a bit and figure it out and go, oh, I'm not very good. Let's do it more. And then you get better. Generally speaking, you, the more you do something, the better you get at it. 
simple as that really but did did you find the the confidence that you built from doing the reps and being a bit shit to start with and then getting a little bit better over time spilled over into other other aspects of your life because once you've got verifiable proof that oh committing to something and simply doing the work will equal the outputs that were intended mm -hmm that can help spill over into your work life, your personal life, relationships and things like that. Did you find that it propped you up in ways you didn't expect? Or was it just one element of your life that you were improving on overall? I think it's one in my life. I think I've always been the case of like looking, once you find the blueprint of something and you, this is what you got to do for this to happen, follow it. So for me, it was a case of where, whether that's been in past life, whether it's been university, whether it's been any other parts of my life with work, with it's whatever it is, do this, this will happen. Okay, sweet. I'm just going to do that then and go into it blindly, go into it full force and go, I want this outcome. So therefore I'll just do this. Whatever this is, doesn't really matter. The outcome is what we're chasing. Let's go to it. So with running is, like, oh, I want to be able to be proud of the fact that I can run a pretty far distance or with lifting weights, I want to be able to, you know, have a decent frame on me or a decent strength basis. What am I going to do to get to that? Okay, we're into that now. And running is another one. It was just a scary one for me because I was, it was really like, it was the one thing I was embarrassed probably to a degree embarrassed about that i wasn't i was someone that prided myself on going to the gym prided myself on a certain level of fitness yet i couldn't run 5k it's like going back to school isn't it like if, if, i'm um, sure for mature students at university they feel like the odd one out when they're in their 40s in a room full of undergrads yeah but the the, the confidence and bravery it takes to be that person in that room mm -hmm has massive, massive downstream benefits. And I think running into the mechanism for you that as a 112, 113 kilo bigger yeah. bloke, just saying, you know what, I'm going to lace up the shoes and go. The outputs that come from that mean that when it comes to, oh, I'm not really sure how to approach this conversation, fuck it, I'm going to give it a go yeah. because there's verifiable proof behind me that mm. shows that simply by giving this a go, you stack those on top and confidence will come. That, that's something that I've found 100% over time is the more yeah. exposure to things that you're uncomfortable with at a real micro level, such as mm. the first 100 yards of, I'm going to maybe give running a go. Yeah. Or, you know what, maybe I'm going to handle this conversation about this thing I'd normally fob off to somebody else myself this time and see how I get on. Yeah. Just more and more drip feed exposure to that means that it becomes comfortable and you just constantly raise that bar to to bigger and better things. Massively. I think it comes down to other things. So what I found through the year, couple of years of running that helped build my confidence was the fact that I could then talk about it handily, sharing it on social media. Um, I was not a person who shared much on social media before. I didn't, would never want to film myself doing anything. And now film my running. Even the other day, I, I explained to someone the other day because they were talking about how they were shy to film themselves in a public gym. And I said, what we're going to do is this. I brought my tripod, brought my phone. And I said, it stays out the entire time we work out. And he's like, no, 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 no. I was like, busy gym. Busy gym. I was like, look, no one else is going to be in the shot. So it's fine. Everyone's going to know you're filming something and no one cares. They may care for a second. And then guess what they're going to get there in life. I try to make the point to him because he was talking about wanting to make content around something he was doing with training wise, but he was a bit embarrassed about doing it in the gym. And I was like, here's maximum exposure to this hour we're going to be in here for, and let's do it. And let's, I'm going to keep it, I'm going to keep it rolling the entire time. So let's not try and get clip and then hide your tripod away. It's like, no, come on. Like, if you want to do this, do this. Like people are going to have an opinion about you either way. Guess what? They're going to forget about in two minutes anyway. So exposure to the things that you are afraid of or nervous about, the more exposure, the better you'll be at it. So even now, like I was, filming for a video earlier on on the train on the way up here i like again didn't really care someone's looking over me like why is this guy filming himself why is this guy talking to his phone why is this guy like, he's like because it's what i do like it's like i'm not going to sit here and justify what i'm doing about this and actually i don't really care too much like it's not it's it's you move beyond that point I'm trying to think a couple of years ago if someone had seen me recording myself for a video 
I'll be like, oh, you know, like, but you get over it. Yeah. The same thing with everything. You you get over it. You you accept the fact that you know the more exposed you have to it, the better, the easier it will be. So now it's a case of like, even earlier when I got to Edinburgh, like it's really business streets. Put my phone up against the wall, film something. People are looking and like, yeah, okay, like it's fine. Yeah, it's, it's much more normal now as well, which is the thing. Yeah. It's, it's going to get more and more normal, and there might be some uh, some people listening that think, oh fuck's sake, it's going to get more and more normal. I don't yeah. like this, but the future is now, old man. Here it is. <laughs> but. Aside, aside from the, uh, is that Malcolm in the Middle? It is. It, it is. Yeah, that 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 was OG. Um, yeah. Oh my God, blanked on his name. Dewey? No, it was just it, it, it was said to Brian Cranston. There Brian we Cranston, go yeah. by Fra- Frankie Muniz. Is that him? Well, no, I thought it was Dewey, the youngest one, who said that. Oh, it is. is right. it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, oh, yeah. That was that was just just before the Z era. This is getting nostalgic. This we'll is be, very. We'll nostalgic. be we'll be quit scoping people on Rust soon enough, <laughs> but. You have got creative with running long distances, as I have enjoyed doing in the past. Mm-hmm. And there is a similar thread of DNA that runs through that as to the reasoning why, which is a a mission behind raising awareness and discussions around men's mental health and suicide prevention, yeah. principally. So before we dive into what you've done, I think it's important to really pull on the thread of of why is that what's important to you within the context of this creative expression of a simple biomechanical movement pattern? Because it's Mm. sometimes easy to be cynical, and I sometimes struggle with this when coming up with these ideas as well, is how can moving from A to B be a mechanism for something bigger than that? But it really can be. And you've recently just nailed that in terms of community activation and tangible engagement for people. But the reason why is ultimately what made it authentic and valuable for people getting involved in the first place. Because if your reason why reason why I wasn't strong enough, people would see right through it. Hundred percent. And that's why I think it's been so successful because it came across so authentically. So, what is the reason why? So, I think especially in this day and age when we're living through a cost of living crisis, there's also a mental health crisis going on. I think the two are very closely linked, especially in places like London where. I've got friends who are like struggling, not just mentally, but financially as well. And it has such a massive effect on everything. Um, As a result of that, I was, you know, I've seen more and more friends use mental health services. Friends that I historically would have been like, oh, like, they're right. Like, you know, they're pretty sound. Like, and all of a sudden I started seeing friends struggling. I've had my own struggles in the past too. And again, never, never wanted to talk too, too publicly about them more in a case of how I've dealt with them. I'm always more much inclined to talk about, but um, I think there's, you know, we're going through a period of time now, especially in men's mental health where, you know, there have been improvements, but a lot of the time it's just a case of like being seen to do something. I think now there's, you know, my biggest thing is trying to create spaces for men to be able to comfortably talk about things. That's why I started a run club where people come together, do something hard, like a long run and hang out and spend time together. Cause there's only people in London that end up moving to the city not really know anyone. The only people they know their work colleagues. The only way they hang out is going for drinks. And actually they are found very alone. I'm very fortunate, all my friends live in London and I've got a very strong network of friends, but I've noticed as well, like through running, I've got to meet lots of people who talk about how lonely they find London. And I think that's a terribly sad thing to do, especially, you know, in this day and age where there's 10 million people in a city, yet people find themselves to be lonely. Like what's up with that? So. I wanted to create some, a space and a way that people can feel comfortable talking about it. I find when you're running, same when you go for a walk with someone, you're not looking them in the eye. 
you know, you're next to each other. Yeah. It, it helps with the flow of conversation, especially to a bit more depth as well. Because you haven't got to look something No one's got to look you in the eye when you're talking about it. Um, so I thought that was a really good way to you know, start the run club earlier this year when I was training for the Tube Challenge. I wanted to raise money for Calm, the campaign against Living Miserably, because they provide some really critical services and you know, leading the fight against um, suicide means a lot because again like i've seen so many friends of mine struggle with you know the day-to-day struggling with so many aspects of life and it seems they're in their words that no one really cared like people say they do but actually you know actions everything so it's like okay well let's do something let's what can i do around that other than be there for my friends listen to them when they're down and offer, offer my own support okay well let's do something about it this way and i wanted to um do a challenge that people can get involved with as well. Um, I think that's really important when doing challenges like this is that it's not about me. It's about other people can get involved with it and be a part of it. Especially for blokes, I think, because yeah. tangible action-driven interaction where you feel like you've accomplished something yes. is very, very important, which is why I think selfishly for me, what I accidentally did with the November events from 2018 to 2020 was give myself the environment to go on the sort of self-discovery journey that I didn't know I needed to go on mm. to actually really equip myself with the toolbox that now allows me to manage my own mental health quite astutely, Yeah, whereby I can know that, okay, if you're going to be hung over this Sunday, then you need to you need to accept that there's going to be a bit of a there's going to be a bit of a downturn from that and you you need to create a space off the back end of that where you're not going to be able to punish yourself because you will if you've got a busy sunday but you'll also enjoy spending time with the friends on the saturday so both are good things but either way you'll find a way to punish yourself so as a silly example i can look at it that way going back to the the thursday drinks example london for me was very lonely in the end because i i lived 10 minutes away from some of my best friends and would see them once every two months yeah and that was just wild because it, it made the, the chaos of it made everything feel so fast paced, but there was so much stuff happening where you, you almost didn't get time to, to, to just spend some time not looking people in the eye, walking along, walking along side by side. That, that, that wasn't factored into the, uh, the chaos of the city, was it? It's a very relentless cycle learning because all this stuff going on. And by the time you get to the weekend, people are just done. They're, they're giving so much of themselves, time to work, time to this, other, and it's just so, you know, it's, there's, it's very hard to find moments of peace um, for a lot of people because of the way nature work, getting into work, this and like, there's very few quiet times. Like I remember I used to years ago drive to work where I used to live and it was peaceful. So I could listen to a bit of music, chill out there. And now I take the tube to events. I'm like, yeah. holy fuck. Even today getting the train up here, like I had to get the tube to the train, then the train up. It was like, I was just being on the tube with bags and whatnot. Like, it was a lot to be dealing with at seven this morning. I was like, hang on a minute. Whoa, this is not a night. This is not, this is a very, I almost need to like have a bit of chill time now. Like just afterwards. So I get, I get that. And it, and it, it's that lack of downtime, that lack of peace, the lack of nature, the lack of no one's around. You can just be with your thoughts, but more, there's always so much distraction going on. And I think especially these days when people check on their phones constantly, like there's so many ways to distract yourself now than there ever was before. Yeah. And um, I think that's the case. And that's why I love the beauty of the long run. You're on your phone. You're out there. You with maybe with someone, maybe with your own, maybe with your own thoughts. But you're through the process of doing something repetitive. It's almost like a meditative state, whether that's with someone talking, whether that's in your own head, just working through things. I always find the best ideas I get for anything is when I do long runs on my own. Yeah, um, yeah. I've got a little black book at my front door that yeah. I come in and scribble things on yeah. furiously when I come through yeah. the door because normally if they come to me during the day. I've got mm. notes. 
Done. I don't take my phone with me on long runs yeah. or it's in a pocket that I can't access yeah. without taking my bag off Dave. in a trail bag, for example. But you said you've used running and the mechanism for managing your own, or essentially what you've done to manage some of the challenges you've had in the past yourself. Do you feel that you're now in a place where you have the toolbox you need to know what's good for you, know what's bad for you, act accordingly without being too dogmatic? Oh, million, about things? million percent. Yeah, yeah. Look, I know, I know, I know I'm not, I, I cut myself some slack here and there. Absolutely. But I also know that um, I make far better decisions when I'm running. I was talking about this earlier. The man over there, it was, um, it was talking about uh, when I'm in training block for an event, for a challenge, whatever it is, I make significantly better life decisions all round. I look at the five months leading up to the running the London Underground and I didn't really make any bad decisions when it comes to what I was up to. How I how I interacted with my friends changed and improved. We spent a lot of time working out together, running more, doing stuff that did involve getting absolutely plastered. We would even times I went away to events, it was just every everything worked better. I had much more structure and discipline. I had much better clarity of thought. The content I was making was better. My channels were growing well. I was like, everything just was better. The relationships I had with people were better. I was a nicer person because all these things were going well in my life. And then I noticed actually just as soon as the challenge finished, I had no point of reference for training. I noticed I was making worse decisions. And I was actually, I was like, hang on a minute. I like the person I am when I'm like training really hard for something and like I'm getting after something because I've got focus. I've got a bit of drive for what it is. And again, it's not the it's not the goal that's the goal. It's I like being it, the improvement is for me is what I like. You know, it's the same with you know when people talk about running marathons. It's not the fact that you get to say you run a marathon. It's not the fact that you get to wear a medal around your neck. It's none of those things because they by themselves aren't important. What the value of running a marathon is is you a, a different person than the person who said let's go do that at the start of the training block. You're a complete different person. You, you pick up different habits, different disciplines you are by that nature changed because you are now behaving in different ways. That's the value of these things. The value isn't to be able to say, I've done this. No, for me, the most the thing I'm proudest of most of running on underground wasn't that, was training, being able to train sustainably for it, being able to have so many people encouraged to join me with it. The actual fact of doing it isn't really that important for me. It's everything else around it that for me is the true value, the true lessons I've learned through it is so much more important. Because also, I didn't get a medal for doing it, so I can't really be like, oh, there's a medal there. doesn't matter. The same with any of these. 100%. I, I think um, what you said there is the exact reason that I'm not particularly drawn to actual sanctioned events, yeah. or specifically High Rocks, for example, because well, we're not going to go down that rabbit hole. But the bottom line is that the, the, the value for me is in the process of doing the thing rather than the thing itself, which means that the competition is only in doing what you said you were going to do. So there's no competitive bone in my body anymore other than were you honest with yourself when you said you were going to do this, Fergus? Yeah. And are you going to overcome the obstacles that are presented along the way when they present themselves? Because they will mm -hmm. and come out the other side having done what you said you were going to do. Best example is training for the double brutal Ironman yeah. last year. It was, it was ridiculous. It was unhealthy. And actually... It, it, at points, I was really actually struggling with my own mental health. It went downhill at certain points. Mm. But what it did, whilst that's not a good thing in and of itself, what it did do is it exposed weaknesses in the business mm. structures. It exposed weaknesses in my day-to-day -day habits. It exposed weaknesses in how I was interacting with my friends, how I was interacting with Erin, the relationship I had with the home versus work. And by 
forcing myself to confront those obstacles through the process of training for something difficult, I came out the back end of that in a much better situation for the future, which has led to us being here today or yeah. contribute to it at the very least. But had I not been bold enough to say, fuck it, I'm going to do it, mm -hmm. and then wrestled with the challenge along the way, I wouldn't have learned those lessons, sure. which is why for you, the the curiosity that goes with the ignorance of just starting running for the sake of running. Mm -hmm. Curiosity is the absolute key word for me with all, like yeah. I do, I will not train for something that I don't care about and not curious about. Yeah. Atlas stones. We were fucking about with Atlas stones earlier. Yeah. The, the reason I the reason I picked up one of them for the first time was because I was curious. I'm yeah. like, well, how they weigh that? And you surely if you just get them, well, okay. Then, oh no, this is nothing like what I expected. Yeah, yeah, same exactly yeah, thing. Yeah. Earlier. I saw I saw them <laughs> I saw them in the gym. I was like, they like fun. I've seen I've seen them in like videos or whatnot. I was like, yeah, give them a blast. Like, all right, I, I've never I've never tried it before. Cool, let's give it let's give it a try. Yeah, it, 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 that's that's where the fun is for training and commitment for me. But it goes so far beyond actually training for something, especially when you bring in a creative element of right. How can we involve people? How can we add yeah. add impact and make this a, a mechanism for something bigger than just putting one foot in front of the other? For sure. So I think that's why the message that I try and put across is so aligned with that being that process over destination well process over outcome journey yeah. over destination is the only way that you're going to extract as much value out of these things sure because you're right the medal is a nice to have the finish line nice to have yeah it's the person you were at the start versus the person you were at the end that's where the real value is mm -hmm. and i think it's important now to to reflect on johnny person a before running the line person b after having run the line because that was a big big project biggest project to date for you wasn't it yeah and ultimately the one that that has put you onto a springboard for bigger and better things now mm. by really putting a stamp on a creative expression of putting one foot in front of the other there it is so talk us through it essentially the when did the idea come to you and how did the process for it happening actually begin to unfold so I was, to be fair since i ran my first ultra last year ran 100k Ironically, I thought that's when ultra distances started. I probably could have run like a 70k, 80k. I thought they started at 100k. I had this conversation with somebody the other day. They were like, it's kind of 50k and then 100k and then 100 miles. Yeah. Like there's no, even though every gap in between is equally in an distance, ultra. Yeah, technically. <laughs> I, I yeah. didn't know 50k existed. I was like, well, that's too close to a marathon. Technically, that's just a marathon with a bit of change. That's a marathon and a warm up. Um, so I was like, okay, let's run 100k. Run 100k. Fucking love this. I was like, I, um, I'll, at that point, I started thinking about, um, channels like to do. And as I started taking my running seriously and the content running seriously, I saw this thing on TikTok where people were walking the Victoria line in like six hours. And I was like, for one day, I was like, I'm just going to go for a run because it's quite, I've never been to Walthamstow, one end. Yeah. I live nearest to Brixton. Yeah. Um, I can just take the tune up, run down. It's an interesting, it's an interesting way to see London. My curiosity, curiosity. I was like, how can I start running all over London? I had a, I had a complete other idea, which was a case of like running through every borough. Like I had it's just, again, being curious. I know my parts of London, some other parts of London. There are a lot of parts of London I don't know. I thought, why don't I just start like running the odd tube line here and there and maybe making some content around it. It's good as a good way to see other parts of London that people don't often see. Ran it, filmed it, did really well video. And even like TFL commentary on it being like, I was like, which one's around Lex? They're like, good luck with the Met line or good luck with the Central line. Because they're both like double marathon distance. <laughs> Fucking, all right, I'll show you TFL. And I was like, you know what? I reckon, I, I reckon there's something in this. And I, um, I, in my head, I looked at how, how far the distance is the, of the London Underground. And 
the distance of track is what comes up when you Google it. Like how much track's there. Obviously, when you run above ground station to station, yeah. that's significantly further by about 200 kilometers. So I, in my head, I'd, I'd convinced myself on this. I was like, it's been a disappointing afternoon on Google. Yeah, I was like, yeah, it's about 300, whole set of things, about 380 kilometers. Yeah, all good, all good there. Basically said to myself, I'm going to now do this. When should I do it? Okay, September, not too hot. We'll come back to this. Uh, September, not too hot, but the days are a bit longer there. Definitely not as hot as August, July. Um, and then I got to work on Strava, routing station to station, 272 stations, 11 tube lines. I was like, I think Strava's broken here because it says it's like 572 kilometers. And uh, I, I actually checked it all again. I was like, no, that's that's exactly the distance it is. And I was like, oh, well, what do you commit myself from doing this now? At that point, I was like, once I've said I'm going to do something, it comes out of the whole thing, you know, it, it's... It's for me, confidence comes down to when you say to yourself, Hey, I'm going to do this, and you don't do it. That's the number one way you can destroy your self worth, yeah. self value, confidence. If I've said I'm going to do something, whether it's out loud publicly or to myself, then I'm going to have to do it because I made a deal with myself. And you don't break those sort of promises. Yep. And I was like, Right, that's it. I'm in. As soon as I hit that, I spoke to my running coach. I'm like, Hey, this is what we're doing. He's like, Right, okay. Why? I was like, We're, we're doing it. And I spoke to my strength coach. I was like, hey, this is, we'll, put, we'll put this together now. You guys make a plan. This is what we're going to do. Here's how it's going to work. spoke to my um, Lou Lemon, who I'm ambassador with. I was like, hey, you guys are going to support me in this one because I'm going to, this uh, This is what we're doing. And that's kind of how it came about. And again, it was juggling. I didn't know how to put these events together. All I knew is like, I know how to make my own content. I know how to make my own videos. I know how to sort of frame it in certain ways that I find interesting. And I thought, what's, what's when I see people doing, doing challenges, I have so many questions. Like, how are you going that day? What are the challenges of that day? How are you feeling that day? And sometimes I see people doing challenges and I often find that they look like, yeah, I'm all right, getting on with it. I'm like, no, like, well, I kind of want to know a bit more. Like, what's going on? Like, how, how, what, where's your head at? Like, that's the thing for me is always like when people do fucking crazy things, like when I've seen you do some insane stuff, I'm like, what is going on between the ears? Like, what are you telling yourself that? And I found that so interesting. I was like, I don't, I'm going to find out for myself, like what's actually happening. And I'm gonna, but I'm gonna share that with people. I'm gonna share where my mind's at, where my where my mind's at. When I'm feeling fucked, how am I still able to put one foot in front of the other? Because it's it's a very interesting place to be in. Like think about how few hours of our life we spend in that situation where we are well and truly cooked, and yet we're moving forward. We're smiling to ourselves on the inside. We're saying something to ourselves. Body's not having it, but we're still moving forward. Like. That's such a unique place to be in. And so many people will never experience that in life because it's a very hard place to get into. And it's a very scary place to get into because sometimes you can be afraid of going, well, what if, what if my head's saying, okay, we'll just stop then. Like give up, quit. And that's why I was like, I wonder how, I wonder if those thoughts will come in. It was just, it was again, curiosity. Like I didn't know what was going to happen. I've never ran that distance in that short space of time before day after day after day. And because the way the tube lines work, um, we did 11 lines, 11 days. It was day where it's like 70 or 80K and then it down to 30K. So it was alternating between really long day, kind of longish day, really long day. There was one one really short day, wasn't there? Waterloo City is 3K, yeah. Which was we, just day before Big Boy. Day before. Well, we actually wasn't day before. We did the Waterloo City then we, and then later that day at midnight, we started the big one. Ah, uh, yes, yeah, yeah. So yes. it was basically like, oh, I got like a shakeout run and I got to chill at home, had a little nap. And then start at midnight, the 92k last day. Yeah. Um, and so that was the case of it. So I'd have these days where my day was entirely full. And then I'd have a day where I'd have a bit of a more recovery time, but I still have to get up and go run 30, 40k. 
And then the next day is like, oh, well, we're going to go run double marathon distance again. It's like, okay, cool. Like, and, and so it was just a case of, so every morning I'd wake up, I'd get out of bed, be like, oh, I can still walk. And then I'd go make some food. I'm like, all right, we're, we're still, we're still here. Then I'd get on the road, get to the start point, start moving. Okay. I can kind of run. And then you'd the, just the, the sheer amount of joy I'd have at going, I'm fucking still here. I'm still doing it. Like, guess what? We're nothing, no, nothing so far has stopped us. And as it can, as you continue, you gain confidence. And from that confidence, you feel better. Like you build, even though my body, even though I was sleeping like two or three hours a night, just cause I was so cooked. And even though like, I look like shit, just from the sheer strain I was going through. Um, and like, I'm thinking like my stomach and bits and whatnot, I was feeling better about myself as it progressed through. Cause it was like day after day after day. It's like, it's like, evident. It's evidence, isn't it? Actually evidence. Like nothing, no matter what, at that point it's like, because we had days where we have so many random challenges. We have, we have assholes getting in the way, we have people, all, the, all these issues. And towards the end of it, I was like, right, what? Well, give us more. Give us something Give us something else. So we've had this, the hottest five days of the year, the first five days of the challenge were. And we got through that. It's like 36 degrees on some of these days, central London, which is just London heat. It's just... Uh, it's the worst. It's, it's, it's the worst, yeah. You know, so the worst, we had the worst day of air quality in London as well. Where it's like, do not run. It's like... I'm running 80k through the city today, so yeah, thanks for that. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah. It was, you know, had had you know some of the biggest asshole car drivers who were just like didn't care the fact that we were just trying to cross the road at certain points and just trying to run into us. We had just everything you can imagine: bikes crashing into me, you know, whatever it was. You know, stomach going, foot hurt, I had a massive toe issue. All these things are happening, and because we overcame them, towards the back of later in the challenge when the you know, distances went up again, I was like what what's next what is next? give us something else like give it that's with the the mindset was anytime something else went wrong it's like good one of the days we took a wrong turn right at the end of the met line met line's like 85 86k and we are like it was, it's a lot of climbing as well because we started in the city and finished up in amersham um we we're like a couple k from the finish you went Second, up hill for that one yeah why the fuck did you do that because we wanted to was that planned in beforehand? Yeah, I, well, I, cho I chose. I chose. Did you regret that decision on the day? No, no, good no. man, good man. Absolutely not at all. I would have definitely planned in downhill. But no. we chose every. I'll be honest. I, I, no, what I wanted to do was I wanted to. I never wanted to say to myself afterwards, "Oh, you know, you could have maybe done this, could have this." So every I looked at where the start point each day was, the finish point which day was, and I, I said, "Which way should we run it? Let's go the uphill route." So you subconsciously took a wrong turn, didn't you? That's what happened. Yeah, really. that's what happened. Yeah. Uh, on this, on this last one, we um, we took a, we took a wrong turn. Someone gave my navigator, who's my coach, bear in mind, he's been on my bike for he's been on the bike for like fifteen hours a day, so he's knackered. And um, they kind of made a wrong call, went the wrong way, and we went like eight hundred meters up up a hill, the wrong way to a station, and it was down and around the thing. And um, I remember being told that, and we are like, it's dark now. We've been running since it was dark in the morning. It's now dark in the evening, and it's like. I got told that I was like laughing. I was like, good. Like who wants to run 83 K this day? Let's run 84 K. Come on. Like it's you're in the, you're in that place where at that point, nothing can stop you. And it's such an amazing feeling finishing those days being like, everything's been thrown us today. Not only the distance, not only the uphill, not only things going wrong, not only where it is like, and it just solidifies such a belief in yourself that I think maybe it wasn't lacking beforehand, but Whenever I'm looking at anything else now, any new venture, any new thing, and dealing with dealing with even dealing with difficult people, like you have a quiet confidence about it, or an increased level of confidence about it, so that you know you feel that you're able to deal with more situations in life. Like right now, it, you know, there's going to be things that happen, and you know, but better way to put it is like 
and this good example of this is immediately after the my finish the tube a couple weeks later i lost my uncle frank no really 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 sad i knew he was unwell but it came and still came as a bit of a shock and it's like okay like this is this is a good example of how like we we're always gonna be facing challenges in life and granted there's a very big difference in running a challenge and, and losing a family member you love but it still is like I was able to understand those feelings and emotions a bit because it's another challenge we've got to face. So, okay, well, what's the most important thing? So I'm going to be with my family, I'm going to be with my dad, I'm going to be here for my sister, I'm going to be with my cousins. That means so much to me to be able to look at that and go, this is terribly sad, but I'm going to do what I can to help those around me and deal with it in a more proper way. And I think before, I mean, last year, I lost another family member pretty close to me and I didn't necessarily know how to deal with that around my family or speak to those things. and Again, like you learn through experience, you learn through these things. And again, after that happened, I knew, okay, like this is how we're going to, just how we're going to face this up. We're not going to sort of go quiet about it and, and sit there. You know, so let, let's, you know, the reason you do challenges is to test not just your physical, but your, your mental attitude, you know, test your patience, test all these different elements to you. And coming at the back of it, you know, again, terribly sad and, you know, deep, he was, he's going to be deeply missed. But I was able to sort of understand my emotions better, understand how that affected people around me and go about dealing with that and i think that's 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 for me is a really important factor because again i think dealing with loss is quite a difficult thing for a lot of people i found it really difficult i still do find it difficult i think it's easy but i think it's one of those things that it helps you better understand it how you can process things or maybe how you can help those around you process things because you know it, it's 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 not an easy thing at all it's not it's not first of all sorry to hear about your uncle frank Appreciate. hope that you're um yeah, hope that family are all in a good place. And I can imagine the emotions around that period in what I describe as a come down or a downturn that lasts for a while after big, big events because the amount of work that goes into mm. the prep and the logistics and the communications and the content planning, all the stuff that isn't just doing the training, it's then done. Yeah. And they're like, oh, hang on. That was a big, big part of my life for a while. So you put in this kind of exposed, vulnerable state. So I, I, I can imagine that processing loss in that setting was very difficult. But I think what, what, what's really important about all of that is that what you've described for most people will seem unfathomable. 572 kilometers in 11 days. Even the thought of conceiving of running one London underground line end-to-end -end is wild to most people. But what you've just described, I fully believe to be entirely applicable to the relative ability of the individual. So if you currently can't run a kilometer, then the reward and value that will come from working yourself up to running five will be life-changing. You can't currently bench 60 kilos and you've been in the gym for three weeks and you really enjoy the process of it and you can feel the tangible benefit. You're enjoying learning the movement patterns, all these things. When you bench 60 kilos, you'll feel like an absolute don, even though there's people out there that can bench 300 plus kilos. Yep. And I think it's that that's, you said something earlier about sort of looking at the best people in the world as our frame of reference. And I think that's where being your own hero mm -hmm. and viewing a future idealistic version of yourself as the person that you want to be and using that as your frame of reference is, is the healthiest way of looking at things because it sets parameters for you to operate within that are specific to your environment. Yeah. Because the comparison is the thief of joy cliche is a, is a good one to use Absolutely. because it's always a case of, I can't remember who said it, but essentially if you, if you are to be jealous of somebody, the only, the only viable logical way that you can be jealous of somebody is if you were to swap every single component of your life at every single component of theirs. Yep. And 
pretty much everybody in the planet would say, well, no, I don't want to take on the relationship struggles or this or any of the loss, yep. all the things that go with it. And the journey that you've been on in a short space of time has clearly come from a high energy, ambitious background. But that's a scale that's completely applicable to anyone listening mm. that is maybe a little bit intimidated by something in their own day to day life. All they need to do is say, I'm going to do X and commit to working towards it. And I'm very, very confident that mm. the person Y at the back end of it will be in a much better place. And, and you, you're dead right. I, I, I am much, much more emotionally stable in stressful situations as a result of having thought, holy shit, I wonder what that'll be like. I think I'm going to say I'm going to do this yeah. and then done it. And I thought, you know what? Actually, pragmatically, logically, you've got through that in ways that kind of makes sense. So this makes sense to me now, which means that this big, intimidating, scary thing now makes sense. Mm -hmm. Which is the only reason that I've decided I'm going to run 250K in one go. Yeah. Because you said two years ago, run 250K in one go. I said, I'll fall asleep on my feet. I'll yeah. fall over, pass out, and scrape my knees and get run over by a car. Because those are the things that you think. But in reality, it's like, okay, no, I think there's enough evidence that if we just keep solving the problems that are presented, mm -hmm. we'll find a way to get to the finish. And then you place that in a business setting, you place that as a personal setting, and then all of a sudden things seem less insurmountable every time they're presented to you. It's not overwhelming anymore. That's it. No. That's it. And I, I haven't suffered loss with this new, newer perspective on things, obviously coming from a very volatile state of mental health in the past mm -hmm. where my emotional stability was far, far more intertwined with a poor definition of masculinity and success. Mm -hmm. But I'm confident that I will, when loss inevitably comes along, I'll be in a better place to to deal with it because it might seem a bit inhuman to reframe things as, as just problems to solve, but that gives you power over them, which means that they can have less of an external effect on you. And I think in the chaos of day-to-day -day society, yep. again, cliche, control the controllables, but the external things that we can't control are ramping yep. up day by day, week by week. And if you let them get power over you, it's difficult to keep the the sort of the ship afloat as it were there's only so many things you can control and again there's so many things out there you have zero control over and that is you know the, the things you do have control over you should have control over um i'm gonna hazard the guess go for it that the 11 days you were running every tube line in london were the happiest you've been in 2023 even though it was the most difficult period of the year from a prolonged yeah. suffering point. Yeah, I'll give you that. I'll give you that. Hundred percent. It was. You know what it was? It was nothing else in my life was important. Simplicity. The simplicity it? Yeah. of it. I call it mission mentality. Right. So I didn't really look. I was putting up stories. My me and my team were making our videos. I wasn't like going through my messages at all. There was something like two and a half thousand unread DMs. I said, I haven't got, I just can't get through it. That's done. They, 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 they have, 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 nothing else wake up just got to get the food in some nutritionist has a plan laid there what we're having wake up get this in me get this in me get this in me get the start time by this time here get there meet the team get going get moving do the day do the thing 
finish the day. And throughout that day, I get to have really nice conversation with lots of interesting people who are coming to join and, and be there for them and whatnot. And, and, and to a degree, entertain them as well as they come and support me and whatnot. Um, and then finish the day, get back to the house, get work on the recovery. My physio agent starts working on the legs. Mike's working on the video. I'm helping him with the video, doing some recovery work. We're talking a bit about the day, having a laugh, having some food, finish the edit, get to bed, do it again. And that is the, when I say nothing else is going through, like my sister was sending me loads of messages on WhatsApp and trying to call me. And so she just turned up on day eight because she's like, I, have, I don't know how you're doing. I was like, I don't know how I'm doing. I don't like, it's not, I'm not even checking in how I'm feeling. Like people ask me, how, how, how are you feeling? I was like, I don't know. I'm, I'm just getting it done. But the mindset of, we're just getting this done. Nothing else coming into it. So there was no zero reflection at any point. And um, I would do my best to write down every day a few things that happened just because I was the sleep quality I was getting was so poor that I was, everything was starting to become a bit of a blur. Yeah. So my mate, Josh Patterson, done a few challenges in the past. He did warn me, he goes, you may start forgetting things. Just to just write down each day what happened. Bit of an outline, distance, who you met, a few things here. And I, I start looking through them at the end of the chat and be like, Oh yeah, fuck that happened. I've got things that are just gone from the memory. Um, and that was brilliant to do. And throughout those 11 days, I had nothing else to worry about. I was thinking, all right, let's just get through this. Let's get through this. And it was just ticking them off. Right. Every step closer is a step closer to the finish. That's, that's it. We're going to tick this day off. We're going to tear a big whiteboard in my bedroom. Only each day I put a story up of me crossing it out onto the next one, onto the next one. And that was it. And as, it, as we get, once we passed the halfway point, the tougher, Big days like Piccadilly Line and Met Line, 80, both 86K. They were both big days right in the middle of the challenge. Once I passed them, it was over the halfway point. I was like, we fucking, we, we've got this now. And it's like, cool, let's just keep, uh, keep, keep focusing, keep going. Cause it's still, every day is a distance to be respected. And we've got the last day's 92K still. Like running a 92K on its own by any means is still a pretty big challenge. Doing it with 480K on the legs previously and then doing it on no sleep as well. It's pretty reasonable through the night. It's pretty. It's not ideal. It's not. It's not ideal. No. No. It's, it's not, not the blueprint for that one. It's. It, it, it's not. No. But I think um, the biggest multi-day thing I've done is eleven days. Yeah. Funnily enough, and I remember there was one point I was halfway coming down Ben Nevis. My legs were screaming at me. I had bursitis in both of them. Oh. It was at the point where like my knee would get so far, and then it had to almost be like be bent through the bursitis to keep moving. It was yeah. just horrendous. Every step downhill was agony it was just mm. terrible and i just stopped for a second looked around and it was just as we'd gone back into lockdown number 73 mm. who even knows oh, yeah. i, I didn't even know it was going in november 2020 it was and it kind of all didn't really matter because like, this is the this is the easiest my life has been for a long long time yes because we wake up we make some silly jokes and complain we force food down our gobs I actually even witnessed Johnny taking some food to the bathroom and pouring a smoothie down the sink just so he could say to the guy that was looking after us that he'd had it, yes. the snake. And then we got in the car, sat there somberly looking out the window in the dark and the wind and the rain, thinking, oh, fucking hell. And then we kind of got there like, mm, we've kind of got to start really here, yeah. safe face. And we got moving, and then we were fine. And then we turn around and like, our knees are going to explode. This is awful. And we were doing that twice a day for eleven days. And you do it. And it was the simplest thing. It was the habit. We were we were having good crack again. We yeah. were probably saying things that weren't weren't great if they were overheard without the context of we're very sleep deprived and mm -hmm. and trying to keep ourselves from crying. Probably would have would not have looked good. But 
we came out the other side quite sad that it was over whilst also being thrilled that it was over. How great is it, right? When you're with your mate or you're with your, in my case, mates who are around you and you're just, you're just focusing on the one thing. And through that process, you're having a laugh with it. You're having fun. Like, again, I always agree. There's nothing better than just hanging out with your mates. Like I still, I still believe, hands down believe there's one of the greatest things you can do in life. And just whilst doing that, whilst doing a challenge like that, it was 11 days of me having fun with my mates. Well, yes, having to take this one thing I was doing very seriously and asking myself a lot of very deep questions and really reflecting where my mind was going each day when we pulled the camera out to talk to, to our piece of the camera. But ultimately, I got to spend every day with people I really care about and who were there to support me through it. Like it, it having obviously the support of people who coming out to run with me, but having really close friends of mine be there continuously helping me along wanting to be a part of it wanting to help me do something that they knew mattered to me like oh, that that we you know i was having some some conversations with some of my closest friends that we haven't really talked about before because we were able to have a more vulnerable conversation because we're in a more vulnerable position yeah and you know it, it really it really wasn't and you're already beaten up yeah so you don't feel like you're crossing the threshold into being vulnerable or beaten up because you're already feeling pretty pretty destroyed 100 percent. So given that you're kind of a bit the vulnerability was the absolute yeah changing point for me in terms yeah. of reframing reframing my perspective of mm -hmm. vulnerability was what has changed my life for the better because yeah. when i was suffering with depression from 2014 2016 vulnerability for me was weakness mm. it was not masculine it was letting down expectations it was exposing yourself as weak yeah when in reality actually accepting that you are vulnerable in a situation is an opportunity for growth and therefore yeah. a mark of strength and simply by reframing that and therefore sort of actively pursuing vulnerability through granted very privileged position of being able to choose what vulnerability I, I take on yeah. has made me a better, more balanced person than Fergus in 2014 to 2016 would ever have believed that, that person could be. 100%. And I think that in the modern world is what blokes struggle with most is, is giving themselves opportunities to be vulnerable because and vulnerable, vulnerable doesn't mean on your knees in the rain screaming and crying so, it's just accepting that you know what i think i might need some help in this situation and then going to somebody that you think can ask for help we can't do everything on our own we can't suffer through everything on our own and right. actually having simple conversations about how do we solve this problem together is just a little micro vulnerability that means that when the bigger macro vulnerabilities yeah. are exposed you don't feel so ashamed of tackling them because you'll know who around you can be relied upon when asked for help. And that simple reframing for me means that, yeah, I'm not, I'm not afraid to, whenever I need help, I'll say it. Whenever yeah. I feel vulnerable, I'll say it. Whenever I feel exposed, I'll look at the people around me to try and help find solutions. Mm -hmm. And it actually makes life easier and exactly. it makes me stronger overall. So I'm not surprised you had some life-changing conversations with your mates along the way, and you're probably better mates for it. But the deep reflections that you had in your memory loss, sleep-deprived, fatigue state, what were the biggest lessons that you learned about yourself in those 11 days? Um, if you ask yourself more, you'll give yourself more. Was the, the main overarching thing I realized is that, you know, when you, when you can really ask yourself of something, just the sheer fact that you are going to ask yourself of it, you know, deep down you can do it and you're going to give yourself more to it. And I, I didn't, I actually didn't think it would be as hard as it was the challenge. Um, there was so many, there was, cause there was so many unique challenges within it 
And it wasn't just a challenge at the end. So it wasn't just a physical challenge. It's a mental challenge. It's also a challenge of every other aspect, like patience. Like, because I let people join me at any point, we then had to deal with crowds of people with us and with that running through the busiest, busiest capital city in Europe. Like, and then all of a sudden responsible for 50 or people. He's like, hang on a minute. Like, with the, with the reality being, you're not even responsible for them, but you feel, you can't shake that they're feeling. That, yeah, that, that I am that's responsible it. for them. Yeah, it's, and then my team are there. And like, it's like, hang on a minute. I've then got to deal with these. I've then got to, in a polite way, I may have only had two hours sleep and be running for ten hours, and now I've got to deal with someone who's first time they've met me and they come to support me, and their first question because a bit nervous is, "Oh, how are the legs? How are the feet?" Which, <laughs> which, if not like most people don't know, is the worst question to ever ask because they're the answer is they're not good um but he doesn't know that so again like who am i i'm not going to turn around and be like don't answer questions like no nah, take it because he's just come and join support me and yeah i want to make sure he's been looked after because he's he's come down to be there and help me um and make sure the last thing i don't want is something like that to step out in the road because i'm going yep. the road so i have to say guys i will sometimes run in the road please don't run in the road stay on the pavement i'm running slow you'll be able to catch up with me if we hit a light that i make you don't make don't worry don't sweat it um and one thing I realized actually is that testing my patience again and again and again with this or stuff made me ask questions of who are you? Cause we know we can all be nice when sh things are good. You know, when life's going well, yeah. you can all be, we can all be a nice person. We can all be nice to our friends. We can all be nice to our partners. We can all be nice to this. Who are you when shit's not going well, when you're tired, when you're in pain, who's the you that comes out then? And that's another thing I wanted to know was like, okay, who who the fuck am I when nothing's going well? When I have this pain in my foot's been there for hours, is getting worse, and I'm tired and I'm sore and I'm hurting. And, you know, people, um, I feel like maybe people don't listen to me, like all these things are happening. Who is the you that comes out? Are you still understanding? You're still a nice person. You're still gonna give people the time of day. You gonna are you gonna be like, you know, dismissive of people because oh, you're in pain, you're in this. And the thing, one of the things I'm most proud of is like the harder it got for me. And the, the, the worst position I got in, the more tired I got, I actually found that like, I became like more understanding of other people. And I was able to then, when people would come up to us and have a conversation with me, I was then able to be more understanding with them and start, and actually ask better questions to them. So often people would be nervous and ask them questions, how the legs and I was like, oh good, like, I'm like, how are you? Or, what, what, how, where have you come in from? And just start having conversation. And through that, I got to meet so many amazing people and have long conversations we have some amazing people. Um, Eunice, if you listen to this, which I know you will be because you're a good lad. Um, met him on the challenge. He ran eight the days with me in the end. Legend. Legend. Yeah. Never. Legend. Never ran more than a few Ks. He ran 40K the first day with us on one of the, I, just killing it. Like, killing it. Like awesome dude. And um, yeah, I got to have so many deep, really meaningful conversations that I had with him when I was at a very tough position of my challenge. And, you know, we got to connect on that level. And, you know, he comes to a lot of my run events now. Good kids. Um, he does support Arsenal, which is very unfortunate. Mm. But, you know, we'll work on that. Um, but, yeah, other than that, no, it, you know, it was a case of those are the other things around the challenge that, for me, were unexpected. But I'm really happy I had people there with me. And I was really happy that when shit got hard for me and I was in a bad place, I was still able to be the person I thought I was which is someone that's kind, someone that's caring, someone that's compassionate. Because I think when I was a bit younger, I wasn't that as kind or as caring, as compassionate. I think as you grow as a man and you become more in in, in tune with your, you know, your own masculinity, your own vulnerabilities, your own 
issues, you grow that empathy and that compassion for other people. And when, especially when you're doing something like that, when they're coming there to support you, the least you can do is show that thankfulness. And I was thankful. I was so thankful these people came to me because like, I didn't know who's going to turn up for this. Day one, I didn't know if people were going to come run with me. I put it out in the content, like anyone can come run with me. We had over like a thousand people over the course of the challenge join. And I'm like, that is, and like, you know, a handful of them I knew beforehand. That's so special for me that they wanted to come out and, and help and support me doing this sort of stuff. And that made that for me was everything. It's like, who am I then? If all these people want to come help me and support me and be a part of this and connect with it, if I'm not there to try and connect with them in some way, you know? Yeah. 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 It's impossible not to feel duty bound to, as you said, entertain, but also every time somebody turns up, I can imagine it was just a, holy fuck, they're here. I, Is it? I was happy about it. I was excited. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was, I was yeah. never like, oh God, people joining us. I'm like, yo, like, thanks for coming. Like, I appreciate you being here. Like, yeah. sorry, 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 I'm running a bit late. So, you know. <laughs> and sorry that I am yeah. it's, it's not stringing your sentence together. And yeah, yeah it's, it, I can imagine there were days where it was, uh, it was, it was better than others, but I think cool. that's, that's, that's fairly obvious. But I think the main question is if you got all the answers you were looking for. Yeah. Oh yeah. hundred percent. hundred, hundred percent. I am. Um, yeah. There's a few things I wanted to work, figure out about myself and, and I managed to get, get through those and yeah. But also the other, other point of realization was this is something I was really keen on running, doing a challenge, doing something crazy physical will not solve all your life's problems. You're still you afterwards. Yes, you will change. But you, you are still going to be you and there's still going to be issues there. I didn't look at my phone for those 11 days. Those messages were still on my phone to deal with. You know, there were still things going on. There were still, oh, I'd rented a bike from Brompton for the challenge and I'd message them in like, we need the bike back. I'm like, oh yeah, look, life's, life's still around here. Yeah. Like, there's still going on there. Yeah. Um, you know, and it was actually just, okay, let's just crack on with it. How was the, the come down? Surprisingly good, to be fair, um, because it wasn't, the challenge wasn't about me completing it. The challenge was about who can we inspire? Who can we get involved? Who can we come to join as well as the money raised? And that for me was really important. And that was a level of success that I hadn't anticipated for because of, you know, how many people actually came to be in part, be a part of it. And to the event, the, the, the challenge became more than me running all the tube lines. It became about all these people supporting me doing. It was, just, it was just a mechanism at the end of the day, wasn't it? Essentially, yeah. for eleven days, you opened yourself up as a vehicle for people to come and have a run. There we go, and that that was the part that afterwards, like that's then made it something else, and I thought it was. So therefore, like that that carries through. And again, because I have my run club in London, more and more people come through to it and see me every week. I'm like, it feels like it doesn't did never ended. So, um, I thought I actually thought it was gonna be a lot worse. I've had blues after races marathons whatnot where i'm a bit like oh the body wasn't like nothing specific was bad it was just my central nervous system was really fried yeah like sleeping you know two to four hours a night running that distance and i ate pretty well to be fair i never had that problem with the food put it down but like i i look like shit like put it that way. My, my, I was, i've never looked that tired before i never felt that tired before um but yeah, there was, there was a, it was just, it was just dealing with that pretty much getting over that. And, um, it took me a good month, I'd say to get sleep back in order, um, which I thought would be a lot shorter, but it's what it is. And then it took me another few weeks after that to really want to be training structured in, in, a, in a very formal structured way again. Um, but yeah, now I'm back into training. We're, we're good to go. Were there any conversations with people that turned up throughout the 11 days that have really stuck with you? 
Yeah, there's been a few, to be fair. Eunice's conversations really stuck with me because he would speak so speak in a really beautiful way about how he's trying to work on himself and challenge himself and the things he wants in life and the goals he has. And he's like only like 18. So I mean, I'm like, yo, this is... Yeah, that's, that's class. That was like, I was like... I even, not... even just thinking that way at that age, let alone being able to openly talk about it is yeah. phenomenal. Very, very... I was like, that, that was actually... That was one of the things that inspired me. So I was like, oh God, this guy's so self-aware. Um, every, every day there was always one or two conversations I had with people that they would... They would be... So, and sometimes it wasn't that there was a conversation that stuck with me because it was so very deep. One of the conversations that stuck with me most was I was coming into like the end of the Met line and this guy, I can't remember his name, who was just sound. And he just was talking. He's like, the first thing he said to me when he joined in, I was like, a couple of 3K to go. And he goes, I bet you're great value on a night out. I was like, that's it. He goes, Can, me and my mates were asking, we reckon you're good value. I was like, yeah, I think I am. He was like, I fucking knew it. That was it. That was how the conversation started. And the last 3K, I've been in my head this day, struggling through, struggling through. And he brought such a lighthearted level of humor and banter to what was going on. And I was like, I, I guess I kind of needed that because it's dark now. It's quite serious. You're trying to get through this last bit. I'm probably making it more overly serious in my head. And then someone's coming asking like, how quickly I can neck a pint of Guinness. And I'm like, you know what? Let's find out. All right now. I was like, that's actually the way the way he asked it was just such genuine curiosity. He wasn't trying to make do it to make me laugh. He was genuinely curious. He goes like, I reckon you're quite good laughing. I was like, oh man, I actually I reckon I am. And um, and I was great. And he was like, yeah, he's like, me and my mates were we weren't wondering like between you because he's like talking about all the other people who run on social media. He's like, why know what they're like on a night? And that that was his frame reference. What are you like on a night out? Like. I was like, this guy's got some good banter to be fair. And that was great. And that, that, that for me lifted. And I started laughing. I was like, and all of a sudden I started, the legs started turning over faster. Just someone put me in a good mood through a bit of banter. I was like, it's amazing what, how that was one of the conversations that stood out to me. It, it was, it was just such a, just such a throwaway thing. But I was like, that's, it's things like that that stick with you at certain points. Cause it did change how I felt. I was, I was like swearing at my feet, running up this hill as he joined. And I was like, oh, here we go. I was like, let's oh, get through this last last three Ks, get through it. And you do that next thing you know, I felt like I've just woken up on a Saturday morning, fresh, going for a nice run, you know, coffee. And I, yeah, I, it, I just felt good again. And it's like, it's, that's, that it just goes to show the amazing impact positive words can have on people. And so I'm always a big believer in like, you know, never be afraid to drop a little compliment or drop someone's or, or make, or make, someone, make someone laugh in a positive way. It goes such a long way because you never know what someone's going through that day. A hundred percent and familiarity is the word that I think I was missing when I was younger. Yeah. But also the one that I think has provided the most value outwardly from Movember campaigns in the past is that all somebody needs to feel is like they're not alone by mm -hmm. connecting with somebody to then feel a little bit, bit better about themselves that day. Mm -hmm all it takes is one person sticking their neck out ever so slightly more mm. from a talking about mental health, being honest about things like Eunice was being honest and open about to make somebody think, Oh, that's kind of like me. Oh, maybe, yeah. maybe the way I'm thinking about these things isn't as crazy as I thought it was. That's, that's more familiar to me. And that's why just, just having somebody come in and say something that feels familiar, familiarly good crack to you yeah. was so powerful in that moment. But that, that transcends that, contrived environment of running a tube line for 11 days every day yeah but it goes to show like you said a little comment here a little check in there yeah. a little phone call on a tuesday evening yeah 
can go an awfully long way. And they're not they're not to be discredited as trivial little things because trivial little things can change, improve, or even save lives within this context, which is phenomenal. And I think it really circles back to it's easy to be a cynic about the power of putting one foot in front of the other repeatedly and putting it on the internet, mm-hmm. meaning anything more than you're just going for a run, mate. Yeah. Because there's a lot of that. There's a lot of cynicism around this sort of thing. But you, you've got a thousand people from London that might never have met any of the other 999 people that were there yeah. throughout the course of those 11 days. Some of them might have made friends for life. Some of them might feel like they've contributed to something. Some people might have run further than they've ever ran. Some people might have run for the first time recreationally. Some people might have explored parts of London that they never explored before. Mm-hmm. And the downstream benefits of simply giving them that new experience driven by curiosity can be enormous for people's well-being. And I yep. think that's why the mechanism as a whole is so much more valuable. Don't get me wrong, I'm very performance metric driven, mm-hmm. but the core of everything that's important to me is driven by a sort of self-discovery, curiosity yep. narrative. And what you've achieved with running the line is just so much more impactful to me than any marathon PB or anything like that mm-hmm. ever would be. And I think that's what, without wanting to sound like a cynic myself, other people might benefit more from in looking at what they're training for within the context of the year. Not everything yeah. needs to be go, 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 red line, red line, red line, working towards the the bigger, 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 slightly faster, faster, faster. I think it's something that's meaningful and you're passionate about that goes beyond just performance metrics can be very, very valuable. That's 100%, 100%. I mean, I think it's your value as a runner certainly isn't tied to the pace you can run a marathon at the time you run a marathon. It's actually having the meaning behind it and is so much more... Um, important. Don't be wrong. There's a time and place to do certain training for improved metrics, certain areas, and that's absolutely great. But I think asking yourself the why: Why are you training for this event? Why this one here? Why this one here? Like I chose the my first marathon was the Madrid marathon because I used to live in Madrid, and I remember seeing that when I lived out there, thinking I will never do that because I'm not a runner. So the first marathon I want to run was in the city that I once saw that in. I think I was coming back in from a night out as people were getting to the marathon. And I remember them being like, fucking losers, about to run a marathon. What a sick night out. That's never a nice feeling. I When I did the Goggins 4x4x96, four by four by yep. <laughs> it was the 4 a.m. So my running was at midnight, 4 a.m., 8 a.m., yep. 12, 4, 8. And there were rounds of students and people on Saturday night coming in at Four, four fifteen. As I was yeah. running laps around the meadows, that you could see were yeah. a little bit, a little bit. Oh God, people are out running already. What time is it? I hate this. And I was kind yeah. of smugly like, <laughs> I've been in your position, and it's not a nice feeling. <laughs> nah. But also, if you knew what I was actually doing, you'd feel pretty smug. Yeah. And then there were the eight amers that were coming back, stumbling back as light was starting to trickle through, and I was on my second four miler. That morning, and you could see those were the ones that were having a borderline existential crisis at the fact they were seeing me jog and like, oh no, yeah, fear was setting in. And again, I was like, if only you knew, you'd feel a lot better about yeah. yourself right now. But again, it's just like there was a point in my life where I had no conceivable notion as to how anyone could run a half marathon or further, and I'm now in the process of training for 250k which is in no way like a oh look at the it's like a holy shit simply by going you know what i'm gonna give this a go i might give that a go i give this a go i've accidentally put myself in a position that is unfathomable to a younger version of me yeah and i'm gonna keep repeating that 
until it punches me hard in the face enough to go, yeah. oh, that's you've you've squeezed the blood out of that stone. I, th I think, and yeah, I think it gets to a point where like, what 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 are you getting out of it anymore, and how much of a of your life to take over? Because there will be a point in my life where like, you know, I might want to like have a family and do something else. I think there's elements of this sort of stuff, and this is what a lot of people I've been speaking to people about recently is they're like, oh, I wish I could do something else. Like, yeah, but it does take up a lot of your life. Like challenges and these kind of things there are incredible and amazing. And I've always and been to do, to do them properly. They need to be viewed full time. Like that, that that's the thing. Hundred percent. People go, oh, you know, how do you do this? I'm like, because I literally give everything into it. Like, how do you? How do you? Like, oh, how do you like, manage to get this challenge? So it's like because I, if I wasn't training and I wasn't sleeping and I wasn't eating, I was working on how how are we going to do this? You know, what's the best way of us presenting this? How many videos should we do? How many is all around it to make sure the event had the best impact it possibly could. And bear in mind, I'll be doing two sessions a day, doing rehab work a day. So it's basically three sessions of training a day, plus eating, plus naps, plus sleep. It give me a couple hours a day. I've also got to do my own content around then. Also got to work with my team who's going to be on there in the day. Like the organization to go into these challenges. And also no one's doing the organization except me. My team will just do, hey, I need you to this. Like my physio agent, like, hey, she was there each day. But in the run up to it, like, you know, I was important in charge of making sure where does this start here? Where does this, all that bringing together, even the sponsors, I don't want them dealing with it because it's my challenge. To, it's my job to deal with it. I wouldn't trust any sponsor to deal with any of the other things as well, because it's like, hey, I, I have to make sure this is correct. So having that complete thing, people talking about asking me questions about, oh, I'm thinking about doing this challenge. How can I do it? I'm like, well, how much free time have you got? Like, how, what, do you, what do you want it to be? Do you want it to be something that is local? People can see, do you want it to be something that's going to get media attention? Um, do you want it to be this? Like I've, I've, you know, someone recently reached out and did a pretty crazy challenge. He's like, oh, I'm not really getting, he's like, can you help me with some media attention? I was like, yeah, no worries. Challenge is crazy. We're like, you need to offer a bit more things in that line as well. Like, you know, going into any challenge, you think you should ask yourself, what is the reason I'm doing this for? What is the impact I want this to have? Um, am I doing this for me? Or am I doing this for me and to help other people as well? Because you can do a challenge without putting it on the internet. I know lots of people have done because they want to prove them to themselves. I think that's fucking great. I think, again, you know, there's some people I know who do these challenges for them and to help people as well. That's great, too. Um, I think just having a strategy, because I, what I don't like to see is people do incredibly impressive things with the idea of it sharing and connecting other people and that not quite hitting the mark. Mm -hmm. Because I know how hard these things are. I know how hard it is to get these things right. I know how hard it is how much care people put into these things. And again, a lot of that comes down to how you, the narrative around it, the storytelling around it. Um, the why has to be really clear. Like, yeah. why are you doing this? That's got to be so abundantly clear. And I think sometimes people go, oh, but I'm, this is, the, look at the thing. The thing, the thing goes, yeah, the thing's impressive, but I'm interested in you. I'm interested in knowing what's going on up here. That's why people like David Goggins are so impressive because they talk so candidly and clearly about their mental process, how they're able to get to here, who they used to be, that state of change, that character arc, that development is such an impressive and such an important factor to all this. So I always tell people and they say, oh, you know, I'm trying to do this. And I go, cool. Like, how, how do you feel about that? Like, where, where, how did you used to feel about that? Have you always been able to do this? Like, that's what's interesting. The development, like what makes a good story is character arc, you know, basis of storytelling does apply to social media too. Yeah. And personal development. Exactly that. If you could give one bit of advice to every runner listening, what would it be? Ooh, every runner. Every runner. So you've cast a wide net there. That is really why that's a very, I mean, really vague. You've had 11 days to think on this question, 11 very specific days, and you had a lot of variety of runners. What is the, what, what is the thread of DNA that runs through all of them? I've got one really funny answer. There's not going to be the real answer. Don't wear alpha flies next to someone who's running a challenge. 
is come on. Um, yes, I did kind of. You set you up. I, 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 I teed it up a um, little bit, knowing it was knowing it could come up. I'll do some context behind that one. Um, alpha flies or carbon plate shoes make a very loud noise when you run slowly in them. When someone's on a challenge, they've got to really focus on their body, their cadence, all these sort of things, and they 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 sound like there's someone clapping basically as you go, not in the nice way. Um, not someone cheering you on. Not or, congratulations, or but... clapping cheeks. Like it's very much a case of like putting you off your cadence. Um, so I had to tell anyone who's wearing me, me out flies next to me, going at seven minute kilometer pace. It's like, do you mind dropping back a bit because it's knocking off there. Um, what would I tell every single runner who's listening to this right now? Um, you're doing fucking great. Think about when you first started running. Think about where you were the first time you ever laced up your your shoes. I know it's hard to look back at that far, and it's easy to look back at the last event you had when you were running fast. And maybe you've just had an event. Maybe you had a race. You did a right in. Now you're back in training. You go, oh, like I feel like I've lost fitness. I feel like I've taken a step back. They say that you should compare yourself to who you were yesterday, but yesterday you were a bit faster, and today you're slower. Um, just look back to when you very first started, who that person was and how scared they were and nervous they were to give it a go and look how far you've come and just always remember that and be proud of that. Spot on. Fantastic. Thank you very much. Thoroughly enjoyed that conversation and we're going to thoroughly enjoy a crisp Edinburgh morning doing the, doing the seven hills of Edinburgh. And I'm very glad that we found some lime gloves and a lime beanie earlier so that we can do it in suitable clothing. Absolutely. But thank you very much for listening, everyone. Johnny, thank you very much for coming along, making the trip up, of all things. We've of picked course. up some stones, we've chatted some shite, and we're going to be running some hills. Absolutely. Happy days. Let's do it.